Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Empowering Her podcast. I am so excited today. I have an amazing guest for you. Her name is Ginetta Jones. She's an entrepreneur, podcaster, keynote speaker, best-selling author, contributor for Black Enterprise, wife and mother. She has most recently founded Best Period, I hope I'm saying that right, Ganete, a unique menstrual care brand changing the game. Having studied the behaviors, fears, and desires of consumers who are millennials and Gen Zs in particular, she often assists these generations to shine brightly, helping them to, to not just learn how to turn passion into profit, but also how to build sustainable businesses that solve real problems for customers. Even with Best Period, she has made it her mission to create real meaningful change for period havers around the world. As a result, Ganete's efforts, she has been in the likes of Forbes Today, Black Enterprise, Yahoo, MSN Money, Huffington Post, Refinery29, Thrive Global, Medium, and Success, to name a few. She regularly serves thousands worldwide through her newsletter, podcasts, products and programs. Welcome, Gaynette. So happy to have you here. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. My goodness, like reading your bio, it's kind of crazy. You are so young and you've done so much and I'm so excited to dive in and to learn more. Am I so young? I'll take it. I mean, (laughs) I'll take it. You look pretty young. I'm pretty <laughs> for for that accomplishment list. I I I believe you've been doing a lot in a short amount of time. So you know, bravo to you. Thank you. I'll definitely take that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I would love to do is to really dive into your origin story, like where all of this beautiful entrepreneurial know how like sparked from. So many different pieces. I'm going to try to condense it as best as I can. So for me, initially, I was an exchange student. I went to Venezuela for a year. I'm actually born and raised in Bermuda. So I went to Venezuela for a year. When I came back, I found myself a year later, I was pregnant. I was 19 years old. So I was technically a teen mom, even though I turned 20 a couple months after I had my daughter, but I was a teen mom. And I knew at that point, I'm like, you know what? I don't want to be a statistic. I don't want to be, you know, that person who, not that there's anything wrong with flipping burgers, if that's your thing, but I didn't want to do that. Sure. So at that point, I made it, I made an effort to really, uh, what I found was success to me, because that's what I've seen reflected around me was climbing the corporate ladder. I wanted an office. I wanted to be in the air conditioned place. Right. So that's where I, that's what I strove to do. So I wanted to climb the corporate ladder. I went through, I was a teller at one point at a bank. I went through the management training program. I got my TEP designation, which is trust and estate practitioner. So I worked in wealth management with bills and estates and things like that. I moved to private banking as manager, assistant relationship manager. So I was climbing the corporate ladder that way. However, in that journey, I read The Alchemist. Um, I read The Alchemist book, which was handed to me by a mentor when she was my mentor for the management training program. And in The Alchemist, it's not a business book at all, but for some reason it inspires, it inspired me and lit that entrepreneurial fire initially because it kept talking about a treasure. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one piece of what moved me forward. So at that point, I, after that, I was sitting around in my desk listening to the Pet Flynn's and Amy Porterfield's and like all the podcasts, right? And I didn't know at that point what I wanted to do, but I knew I didn't want to be at that desk at that point. I'm like, okay, 
you know what, maybe climbing the corporate ladder isn't for me. And from there, I decided to write my first book and we moved from there. But that's one piece of it. I always feel like there's a few different triggers that push you to that point. That was like the last trigger that moved me to entrepreneurship. But to rewind a little bit back, I had, well, I had a tumor on my windpipe at 14. Um, and then that was one of the things that just helps you realize, hey, life isn't, you know, it's finite. Like, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's not infinite. You can definitely leave the earth at any time in your physical form. Right. So even at 14, I was in high school, but I realized, Hey, like this, this is something and I need to move forward. And it was, it was benign. So it wasn't a cancerous tumor, but the position it was in only three people had had the surgery prior to me and two out of the three had passed. So it was in a very unique spot on my windpipe. They had to go through my back. I went to Boston Mass General because that's the only hospital that did it. So it was like a whole thing. So that was at 14. One of the things that just helped broaden perspective. The next thing was when I was an exchange student in Venezuela, I was held at gunpoint by corrupt cops that came across the border. So we had that issue and it was a whole, it was a whole event, but what I do remember is at the whole end of that, my family, you know, gathered around my host family, that is gathered around my brother and sister and I, when we were standing there, just like, geez, you know, they took everything. And there's like, but you still have your life. And again, that just creates a perspective shift where you're like, yeah, my life is still here and I want to do something with it, you know? So all of these things push us. I then had sick parents. My dad had cancer twice. My mom had esophageal cancer. And thank goodness they're still here. But those moments as well, just, again, let you realize that, hey, you need to do something with this time you're here on this earth. And what is it that you want to do? So all of these little nudges, you know, I find that when you don't pay attention to the small little nudges, the bigger ones come along and push you in. All of these things leading up to the Alchemist book is what moved me forward. Whoa. <laughs> I know a lot of stuff. I told you it's a lot. Stuff. Like that's like, again, that's like a lot of experience, right? For for you and for for like for any human being. And I can totally see how, you know, you took all of those experiences and you were like, what am I gonna do with this one precious life? And mm-hmm. You know, I always look back on, and it's interesting, these origin stories, the way they come to be, like when we're going through them, we don't feel like we are strong enough. We can't believe that we will ever come out of this challenge, all of the things. And then ultimately they're what we look back on and we're like, wow, that was my mountain to climb. And I'm now able to flex my resiliency muscles because I've been through so much And like, let's like life, let's do this, right? Like, that's what it sounded like. You were like, let's just do this. What are we going to do with this one precious life? It was definitely a life. Let's do this moment. And all of those moments were extremely difficult. However, it's like something I, I have a different build, like a mindset from the beginning. So even when I was on the ground with the people with the guns and they took our cell phones and jewelry and passports and everything, they took everything from our house even at that moment, I'm like, if I get out of this, it's going to be a cool story to tell grandkids one day. You know, when my parent was sick, I knew there was another another side to it. I knew I'd get out of it. I never thought I'd never get out of it. Sure. It's just at that moment, you're frustrated. You're like, when am I getting out of it? I know there, I like, I've made it through all these other things. So I know there is light at the end of the tunnel. But the way my patience is set up, I'm like, I need to get to it now. What can I do to shift the world around me through what I'm doing. And of course I have the moments of doubt and fear and all of those things. But as I go through difficult moments, 
you know, even with a business today, whenever tough times come about, I always know there is an end to it. It's just, you know, figuring out how to get there and how to get there as fast as possible for me. Yeah. And that's really powerful. It's really powerful to actually know that I will get through this because so often when we're in challenges, we're like, there's, there is no light at the end of the tunnel. Like, how am I getting through? So to constantly remind ourselves, I feel is just like a beautiful takeaway and tool that like, I've got the power, we'll get through this. Let's figure out how. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's amazing. So tell us like, what is it that you decided to do with this one precious life as a result of all of these experiences? So there's so many things that I've done. And of course, like everyone, we shift and pivot as we go along. But initially, it was the book. And I knew at that point, books, lucky code, when I read it now, I cringe because I'm like, oh, my goodness. You know, as we look at things we did initially or previously, we're like, man, we've grown so much since then. So the words, the way I wrote it, all of it makes me cringe. But the book is called Lucky Code. And I wrote it in three months time from the end of 2014 to February 2019, sorry, 2014 to 2015 is when I wrote it. And then I self-published it and put it out in May. And it's, that was the first step. I knew when I put it out there that I wasn't like trying to be a full-time author and that's it. I knew I wanted to do something else. So I saw it a bit as a stepping stone, almost like a business card that would allow me to do other things. But again, at the time, I didn't quite know what I wanted to do. However, for me, I've always been that person where it's like, okay, we're going to move through this. And as we're moving, we're going to figure it out in the process. So I put the book out there. Um, I mean, I'm kind of delusional too. So I did think I'm like, oh, I'm going to sell millions and millions of copies on all of that. That kind of helps you get through too. But I thought that I pushed myself through and I didn't know what I was going to do with it. However, it did get a lot of media attention. It did sell a good bit of copies on Amazon and in physical bookstores as well. So because of that, I found a lot of people coming to me and asking how they can do it, how they can market their book, how they can put it out, how they can, you know, find an editor and all the things that I had done. So I created an e-course teaching people how to self-publish successfully. So that was the first thing I did. Um, And then I ended up turning that into like a group coaching session because I realized they needed more support. So then it became like that. And once that happened and I started making a good bit of income from that, I started realizing, okay, now I'm getting questions about building a business. I guess that's what I've done. So I started talking to people about putting themselves out there. And I don't know who I was to be given advice on like creating YouTube videos. If you look at my old YouTube videos, oh my goodness, they're embarrassing. (laughs) But I was doing it. Like I was on my soapbox teaching people how to do something because I realized At that point, even though I'm not, you know, a 100% expert, I may be around 40%, but there are people that are zero to 39% that need my assistance. And because of that, I'm like, I'm going to teach them. You know, I didn't act like I knew all the things, but the things that I did know well, I was willing to share. So I started doing that. And that was the first bit of it. And from there, I have actually pivoted at I keep hitting my mic. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, keep, my, I talk with my hands. So if you hear a bump, it's me hitting my mic. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so and from there, I'm like, okay, this is fun. But I still, one of the things I really craved, I wanted to help people. And I knew, which is the reason why I did the course initially, because I knew I can assist more people through a course than I can one-on-one. Because um, I did like Marie Forleo's B-School. I went through all of those things as well. So I learned. I invested in myself all the way through with masterminds and stuff. 
But even then, it felt like it was confined. It w- I wanted to be able to touch an infinite amount of people, whether or not they even knew who I was. But again, I still didn't know how to do that. I had created a podcast in 2019, started interviewing some amazing guests on the Freedom Slay podcast. And one of them, actually, as I was talking to her, she created a physical product. She made hair bonnets. And which sounds like, you know, something that isn't brand new. It was set in hair bonnets. There are a million different hair bonnets. However, when she built her brand back in, I think it was 2017 or so, Globi Day is the name of the brand. And Renee was talking to me and she was basically telling me how she did this on Amazon. But because she was targeting, she was targeting an audience that was not addressed, right? Satin hair buttons tend to be for people of color because our hair gets dry. I'm a black girl. So we go sleep, we wear our our bonnets. However, if you went on Amazon at the time, there were all stock images of white women with hair bonnets. And she just made the simple choice of using a black woman with a hair bonnet and her sales and everything took off. And also the way she was talking and interacting with her audience on social just was such a great thing because it was something that addressed their particular needs. The bonnet was bigger, helped if they had braids, like she made it specific for them. So after that conversation, I was just really inspired. I'm like, okay, I've created you know, e-products. I've created a book, but I want a physical manifestation of something that I've thought of that really solves a real world problem. But again, me being me, I didn't know what that was, but I knew it was something. She introduced me to her sister a few months later, a few weeks later, actually, Gina in Los Angeles. And as I was speaking to her, she lit that fire underneath me again. I'm like, I want to create something. My period came on. I grabbed a cup that I wasn't happy with, a menstrual cup. I'm like, I got it. I'm going to fix all the things I hate about this menstrual cup. I don't like the bags they come with. They create lint. I don't like the fact that they don't have higher enough capacity, you know, because on average, Black people tend to have heavier flows and are two to three times more likely to have fibroids. So I'm like, you know what? I want to create something that is comfortable for someone who has those issues and also comfortable enough for someone who doesn't have them, right? That has a lighter flow. So I wanted to just change a whole bunch of things with menstrual cups, which is what I ended up doing. But I say all the time, Best Period is not a menstrual cup brand. It's the genesis of a mega brand for menstruation. So that is our first thing we have created, but we have three more SKUs products coming out this year. So, Oh my God. God, that is so inspiring. Like, I love that you were inspired and you turned around and you were like, okay, I'm putting that inspiration into action. I'm creating something that's going to solve a very big real world problem. Like that's a big ass problem, right? It is. And it was more, and it was more than just like, okay, it is something that menstrual cups in general are sustainable. So they're better for the earth. They save you money because, you know, you aren't spending money on pads and tampons on a monthly basis. You spend your 20 to $40, whatever it costs. And then you could keep it for up to 10 years if, you know, if you maintain it properly. So it's better for the earth, better for your pocket, better for your body, doesn't create dryness, doesn't have any chemicals that you can find in other products. So it is better in all those ways. But also I realized on the other side of things, it's just such a stigma around periods. And I'm like, is there a way to make menstruation fun? I mean, it's something half the world at some point has either dealt with, they're going to deal with, or they're dealing with it currently, right? And I'm like, it's got to be a way that we don't have to dread it each and every month. I want to make it something that's fun. I want to make it cool. I want to make it comfortable. Three words that tend not to be synonymous with periods, but I wanted to find a way to make that happen. So it was that piece of it as well. And learning 
you know, how I can educate other people about periods in a way where they feel more comfortable in a Thanksgiving setting talking about it, just like they would anything else. We see people get shot on TV and in movies and the blood from there don't gross us out as much as something that's so natural. You know, how many movies have you seen where someone actually gets a period? Very few, if any, right? And it's something that's so natural. So I just knew that it's it was much bigger than that. So I wanted to do that. And of course, we have give backs because there's period poverty. That's a real issue on everybody's shores. So we have charities that we partner with. And well, any cup that we sell, our manufacturer gives a cup away to someone in need. But in addition to that, we have options to donate the cups. So we have charities we've partnered with that distribute cups in Bermuda, U.S., Kenya, so I'm um, Sierra Leone, you know, so we, we want to, we want to distribute the cup in that way. And we give part proceeds to help end human trafficking. So we wanted to touch on all these different angles because there's just so many issues in the world. And I'm like, I know I can't fix them all, but I want to fix a big one (laughs) as best as I I can. Like, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate that as a woman who I really suffer. I really do suffer through my period every month, like the pain, um, is, is debilitating at times. So I, I love that you're trying to make this a more mainstream and be more fun. Like, I love that you word fun. I'd love to be able to introduce fun into my period, you know, like mm-hmm. every month and for my daughters too. And I mm-hmm. always talk about like on, on our whole platform, it's about empowering women, empowering mm-hmm. girls And to really have them have a new perspective of their periods, I think is Mm -hmm. so important because they get such a bad rap and -hmm. really they're, they're doing so much good for our bodies. And if we can actually lean into that fact, I Mm -hmm. I think that that's where the fun can come in. Right. Um, I'm going to backtrack for a quick sec in case anyone's listening who doesn't know what a menstrual cup is. Mm -hmm. Would you be able to explain that a little bit further? For sure. So a menstrual cup is an alternative period care items. So like you have pads and tampons, which tend to, well, not 10, they do, they absorb your flow. A cup actually collects it. So it sits in just under your cervix. Like when you put a tampon on, you put your cup in, it sits there and collects the flow and you can remove it, dump it out, wash it out and reinsert. So it's reusable menstrual care. Um, and the reason it's so great is because, well, Things like tampons create dryness. They mess with the pH. You know, you have the bacteria growing on pads. You have chemicals, usually hormone altering chemicals that are in the um, cotton that's treated for pads and tampons. So there's so many things we're putting in our body each and every day. And this just is the opposite. So it is medical grade silicone. It's gyno um, approved and recommended. So we have all of the ticks FDA registered but it doesn't mess with the pH. It doesn't create dryness. It's, it works with your body and it collects more. So like a menstrual cup, our smallest cup can hold the amount of six regular pads or tampons. So that means fewer changes, which means fewer, you know, more freedom for you as, you know, a person going about their day. So it's a lot of benefits to it, but that's, that's the essence of a menstrual cup. It collects flow. Brilliant. I love it. And thank you for explaining that. So I am, again, I'm so inspired by what you're doing. And I think we have a lot of people, like a lot of people listening right now, they've got these ideas, they've got something on their heart, they want to move forward, but there's so much fear, but there's so Mm -hmm. much imposter syndrome, who am I to do this? Any like words of wisdom for them so that they can get that beautiful idea that they have and actually put it into the world? 
I have the same advice every time someone asks something similar, and that is asking yourself, what's the worst case scenario? If I was, I mean, and I was nervous about putting this out and creating it, I didn't know where to begin. Like it was a process, but when I asked myself that question, what's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen, I mean, truly is that no one buys it. Nobody likes it. But the reality is no one can buy or like it if I never create it. So really I'm already living that worst case scenario, right? So it's like looking at the upper, the other piece of it, the other changing your perspective and shifting it and asking, okay, well, what are the great things that can happen? So often we discount the good that can happen for in exchange for all the bad that can happen. And that's what we focus on. And that's why we, you know, hesitate, but I'm a strong believer in the Nike strategy to just do it. It's like moving forward, taking small steps each day and you're way further than you were yesterday. And most times we are already living that worst case scenario. That's brilliant. And I think everyone needed to hear that. Like we need to hear that if we don't put it out there, we're just where we started. Like we're not losing anything. And chances are like everything, it's not a business is not a smooth line, right? There are pivots, there are turns, there are like, you're just moving in all directions and often failing forward. I find, Mm -hmm. would you say that you've had that experience? For sure. And I think what's also helpful is watching or reading other people's stories, because then you'd be able to see that it isn't a straight line. And you'd be able to tell some of these companies and these people that you look up to, like that you're like, oh, man, this is so great what they've been able to create. When you're actually diving into their stories, you see that they had difficulty and they struggled and they were nervous and they were scared to put it out. They feared people's opinions and had doubts. But when you see that they they did it. And on the other end is this great result. You feel more inclined to take a leap, right? And you're able to, to look at it from that, from that angle as well. I find it helpful. I I agree. I love reading like founder stories because Mm -hmm. there's so many nuggets of gold in there. And it's just like a reminder that we are on the right path. It's okay. Mm -hmm. No matter what's happening, you are on the path, like keep going, keep going. Um, I'm going to switch gears for a sec. I know that you have a daughter, right? I do. You do. How old is your daughter? She is 15. 15. Okay. So we are, and I have two daughters who are 15. So so 16 this year. So it's me too. Yeah. Yeah, Amazing. Um, And what a beautiful age and what a challenging age, like all the things. Right. But I am so curious, like you going into this business and starting it, like while she's old enough to really witness all of it, how has that been? Like, what kind of experience has that been for you, for her, for your relationship together? I try to get her involved in as much as possible. Even when I was doing like the book, she was helping pick out which cover we're going to use. And it just helps her to see that, you know, you can always start over. You can always go and chase your goals. We were just walking yesterday. And as we were walking, I said, I remember a long time ago, you said you wanted to do, you know, acting and you wanted to model, you wanted to do all these things. And lately you've been talking about, you know, studying psychology and possibly criminology, which is great, but I just want to know, do you still want to do those other things? She's like, yeah, it would be cool. So it got me to asking like, okay, well, where where did that, where did that shift? Like what made you change and not want to do it? Because in my mind, I'm thinking maybe she's afraid or she got, when we get to a certain age, we start doubting if our dreams are too big or if they're possible. Right. And um, she's just like, well, I want to get my degree first. So I'm like, okay. So in her mind, you know, she can do it, but I learned really early out, the best way to deal with it is just to be the demonstrator. You don't have to constantly talk about it. You just be it. And I remember one time in school, 
when she was in her school, when we were back in Bermuda, like every, I think it's the, the, like every three years, all the parents meet with the guidance counselor and they talk to the child with you there just to see, you know, what they have to say. And one of the questions was, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she had to be maybe seven or eight years old. And she's like, I want to be an entrepreneur. And I'm like, I didn't even think she knew what that was. And, I, and her goddess counselor was like, oh, why? She's like, because I want to do my own thing. I want to be able to do my own thing. And I don't want people telling me what to do. And I'm like, okay, we can work on like, why? But, but the fact that in her mind, she's like, I see you doing this, even though you're not telling me be an entrepreneur, but I see you doing this. And it's helping me realize there's other things that I could potentially do outside of what I've always been told to do. And the guidance counselor asked all the questions like, hey, you know, do you think a woman can be a doctor? Just random questions like that. And I was so pleased with all of her answers because she's like, of course, like, why wouldn't they be able to be a doctor, you know? So I realized at that point that I'm doing something right. I may not be doing it all right, but I'm doing something right by modeling what I think is a great life, you know? Mm, I love that so much. Like that's everything we talk about here. It's like empowered women, empower girls, right? When we step into that version of ourselves, that's following our dreams, that's chasing our dreams, they are learning. They don't have to have our dreams, but they are learning to follow their own. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's so important and so beautiful to hear. Um, And this has like been so amazing, this conversation. I'm like loving every moment of it. And I have like a little rapid fire situation that if you're down, I'd love to to just go for it and ask you before we before we end our time. We're ending so soon. It feels like we just started talking. I know (laughs) know. it's been like I could talk to you for hours. (laughs) Let's do this rapid fire. Let's Let's see if I'm any good at it. (laughs) Okay, this is one of my favorite questions. Uh, well, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna preface it with saying a girl's self confidence peaks at age nine. It's a statistic that I think is insanity, and at Girl Life, we're literally trying to change this every single day. Um, so, what would you say to your nine year old self? For me, I tell me, listen to my dad. I think one of the reasons I am confident is because he told me I could do anything. <laughs> so, I mean, he, again, he was delusional on my side. Like I can't run, but he told me I was the best runner. Like, so it was, I thought I grew up thinking there was nothing I couldn't do. And I think that's why I carry myself the way I do now. And I move through fear because truly that's the one thing that separates. I should have said that earlier, like entrepreneurs from entrepreneurs, those who want to do from those that, you know, just dream about it is action, right? And the reason I've always taken action and taken quick action, not that I'm always doing things fast, but I take that first step really fast is because I had someone in my ear as a young, at a young age saying, you can do it. I love that. I love that so much. I, I actually had a very, have a very similar experience. My father with his adorable Persian accent, but like the words he said to us every single day, impossible is impossible. So like <laughs> impossible is impossible, which means mm-hmm. everything is possible. So like, we're mm-hmm. so both so blessed to have such great messages mm-hmm. like that. Um, who is inspiring you now and why? I get inspired daily by people around me, whether they're on my timeline or people I know personally, like Renee and Gina, who I was talking about earlier. I mean, seeing Rihanna and what she's doing is pretty amazing. Watching Beyonce's Coachella, like performance, the, um, it's just, I get inspired by people all the time that are around me just doing amazing things. And I, I don't, I don't get like offended. I don't get jealous. I don't, I don't, wish it was me. I just always get really excited. And one thing I 
do is I have a folder on my Instagram. You know, you can separate things into folders. And one of them is called manifestation. So when I see somebody doing something really amazing, like Shantae Lundy, um, I've had her on my podcast, but she, she created Black Girl Sunscreen. And it's now in Target. And I had another friend, Curls Dynasty, whose stuff's in Walmart. I put it in that folder. I, of course, congratulate them underneath it. And then I put it in the folder on the manifestation because I'm like, if I see them doing it, then that means it's in my reality too. And I can achieve it as well. So I just find inspiration all around me each and every day. And I think it's important to constantly, you know, find that inspiration. I love that. I love that you put it in your manifestations. And I also love that you mentioned like, you don't wish it for yourself that in particular, but -hmm. you're inspired by them. You're wishing them well. Like I always say like her win is your win. Our collective celebration when one woman wins. So I love that you do that. So what is your favorite song and who is your favorite band or group or singer? This is so tough. Like I have so many favorites. And I listen to everything. So my husband, my husband hates when my phone is on shuffle because I, I have <laughs> everything from play. like, it would go from Frank Sinatra and Bon Jovi to like Rihanna, Beyonce and Jay-Z in two seconds. And he's like, come on, pick a side, like pick, <laughs> pick a genre and go with it. Like if you're going to play jump Bon Jovi, play all of that. Like don't just skip around, but I do it all the time. Um, but a song that I really do love is, oh, and I love Adele too, but I love Beyonce has two songs, one called I Was Here and the other one is called Bigger. Um, actually, funny enough, I don't know if you can see this, probably going to make a lot of noise. But in my office area, I have these quotes on the side and there are most of them are Beyonce quotes, but two of them come from one of the songs, the um, your part or something bigger I have there, which is from her song Bigger. Mm-hmm. And then I want to leave my footprints on the sands of time, which is from the I Was Here song. And any songs that inspire me, I love to just, you know, put it in my head constantly as a mantra. So oh. I have that to remind me each and every day. I have some some Beyonce-isms on my wall here. <laughs> but everyone needs some Beyonce-isms in their life, right? Like she's so freaking amazing. Um, and my final question, if you could take a billboard out to the world for all to see, what would it say? You can do it too. Oh my God, I love that. I love that. I love that. What a beautiful way to to end this off. This has been so amazing. Gainette, thank you for taking the time to hang out with us on the Empowering Her podcast. I want everyone to be able to experience your brilliance firsthand. So please let us know where can we find you? How can we get your book? How can where can we find your menstrual cups? Like all of it. Give it to me. Please don't find the book. Don't look for it. But thank you for inviting me. I'm super excited to be on here. It was such a great time. You can find me personally at Gainete everywhere. Hated my name as a kid. Love it as an adult because now I can find my handle everywhere and no one has it. So that's G-A-Y-N-E-T-E on Instagram, on Twitter, on TikTok, on YouTube. I'm everywhere at Gainete on Facebook, even though I don't Go on Facebook. I am on Facebook at Gainette. Um, and then best period is best period everywhere except Instagram is B-E-S-T dot period with a T. But if you type in best period with a T, you'd find us on Instagram as well. But some random sneaker company has the word best period by itself. And they haven't posted in like years. And I'm just like, oh, man. But we just have a dot in between it. So it's best period period with a T. And of course, Gainette.com and best period dot com best period with a t 
Love it. Thank you so, so much. We are all so inspired by you. Loved our time together. Thank you. Thank you again for the invite. If you love what you are hearing, please go ahead and leave us a review so that we can keep the empowerment flowing. Also, be sure to follow along on Instagram at Girl Life Empowerment. And I would love for you to check out my newly released book, Empowered Women, Empower Girls, across all Amazon platforms. I'm so grateful for you, and I can't wait to talk to you again next week. Mm-hmm.